Welcome to this episode of Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose with Ellen Barton, where you'll hear thought-provoking discussion, inspirational stories, and get action tips for creating the life of your dreams. Hello and welcome to Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose, a weekly podcast in which we talk about the secrets behind living the life you've always dreamed of. I'm Ellen Barton and today my guest is Dan Stover. Dan is an executive coach and business trainer who specializes in teaching leadership skills and emotional intelligence. Dan, welcome to our show. Thanks for having me on your program. This is really exciting. Yeah, and having talked to you before today, I feel like it's a very good fit, and I'm really excited to um, delve to dive into this conversation with you. But I want to start out just by having you tell your personal story, because when you told me, I was like, wow, this is an amazing story. And, you know, your background being a little bit unusual, but really um, it, it kind of leads you to this place of being a coach in a logical way, even, you know, though it's, it's kind of, um, unusual, I guess. I, 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 I wondered if you could share that with us. Yeah, sure. The, the story, it's funny how it goes, right? Because it's really nonlinear while you're going through it and kind of at the end of the story, it's like, Oh, it all makes sense now. <laughs> Which Isn't is life how like that? Life yeah. goes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, my story starts growing up in a very small farm town in Ohio called Green Springs. And it's how small this is, I can put into perspective. Uh, it was about a thousand people in this village, and probably close to half of the population lived in one of two assisted living facilities that served the county. And the other thing that puts it into perspective is like my high school, I'd like tra- take your tractor to school day. So <laughs> the parking lot would be full of like farm equipment and really big riding lawn mowers. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, at least once a year. Yeah. So very humble beginnings, very blue collar. Um, my mom and dad uh, worked entry level labor force jobs. Uh, we didn't have a lot, had a roof over my head and had food on the table, of course, but Uh, Growing up in a relatively sheltered life, uh, you kind of rely on television and books and movies to tell you what else is out there, because when you don't have resources to experience those things for yourself, you're kind of stuck with that. So I became this very imaginative, creative kid, and I was really sensitive, but also grew up uh, with kind of a rough and tumble parenting style and family situation. So and the sensitive kid kind of lost, and um, I decide about 10 years old, I want to make it out, and I want to become something. I don't know what yet, but the goal was to leave and be successful somewhere in something. So as I'm becoming a teenager, I pour myself into academics, and I pour myself into basketball because, statistically speaking, a kid like me, where I'm from, it's not likely to make it out. There's very few of us uh, that ever leave. And for many that do leave, end up coming back. So knowing that I had that working against me, it was all about performance and how could I get better. And by the time I got to college, uh, my family situation in the past that was kind of rough caught up with me. I had programmed my brain to be totally uh, attached to outcome and success and GPA and getting into college. And although I made it into Ohio state, I had a total mental health breakdown, 
when I was like 19, 20 and became very suicidal. Uh, at the, I, the way I'll qualify it is at the last thread at the end of the rope um, mm. and finally decided to get help. And that was the one thing I'd really uh, not done in the limited help I had reached out for during a mental health crisis it was just to be totally vulnerable and just lay it all out. Here's what I'm really thinking. Here's how bad it is. Here's how bad it was. And when I put it all out there, a funny thing happened and I started to heal. So I went through a, a treatment program for people in a mental health crisis like myself and immediately wanted to pay it forward. So I'm still in college. I'm finishing a couple degrees at Ohio State. And this pay it forward mentality is now in my bones. And I signed up for suicide prevention services. And at suicide prevention services, here I am, this kid that just went through a mental health crisis uh, and lost his will to live. And now learning about what I'd just gone through scientifically in training, and I'm still a patient in therapy, and then all of it's preparing for 12 weeks later to get on the hotline with suicidal people and families that are trying to figure out how to help and be there and support a loved one who's in a mental health crisis. So once I got on the line and started doing that work, I couldn't have said this back then, but I realized I have a purpose on this earth. There's something about the way I'm connecting to these people. And there's something about how I interpret our emotional landscape scientifically with what I've been tra trained in and intuitively because of what I've been through in my life, that it's working, something's happening here. So that, that became a unknown milepost into what I do for a living now. And when I graduated, I worked for the federal government and for the state government in Ohio for a while. And this duality started to form in me. And I faced something I, I feel very fortunate to have faced so early in my life because I know people uh, in their 40s, 50s, and even their 60s that are facing that in that decade. And that what I had to face was I, I, my soul and my paycheck have to come from the same place or I'm not going to thrive in this one shot at life I've got. And I felt like I had a new lease on life after all I'd been through. So take advantage of it. So I went on this big search, um, wanting to find a career uh, that would fill me up as much as the volunteer work I was doing at suicide prevention. And while this is all manifesting, you know, I, I went from hotline volunteer to trainer and speaker and mentor and coach and uh, leadership position on the board and you name it. I'd kind of done everything uh, for them in the seven years that I'd been there, that done everything there was to do. So one day I'm sitting on the city bus called the Coda in Columbus, Ohio, because uh, I took the public transit to work every day when I was working for the state of Ohio. And a couple weeks before I'd made a friend named Pam and Pam and I weren't exactly likely friends other than our spirit. She was a few decades older than me. Uh, I'm uh, old millennial young Xer, depending on where you look at the, the birth dates. And Pam, I confided in Pam and told her what I was looking for. And she said, well, I have a book for you. And the next day, hands me a book on the bus and says, I want you to keep this uh, and read through it and tell me what you think. And it was a book on leadership. So the book is called Shut Up and Lead by MJ Clark. And it's a short book, maybe 60 to 90 minute read. And I'm 
turning the pages and recognizing that my beliefs that are forming about life and how to live it and having purpose and your purpose needing to be aligned with your work and how you treat people at work and in leadership positions were totally aligned with me and what I'd learned about myself and what I'd learned about um, connecting with people at suicide prevention services. So I'm like all over this book and I call MJ and said, your book is the truth. I really need to meet with you. So MJ is a senior consultant at uh, Integrated Leadership Systems. So seven, eight years ago, whatever it's been now, um, MJ took some time to get to know me, met me for coffee, um, met me for lunch a couple of times and said, I think uh, you need to meet the founder of our company, Steve Anderson, and the company is Integrated Leadership Systems. I don't know if I said that. So I meet with Steve and turns out Steve shared a very similar story with me. Um, he started our company because he had gone through it when he was in his late 20s and early 30s and had this big emotional and mental health crucible to overcome himself. And his way of paying it forward was creating a company that made business leaders more effective by understanding their emotions and finding their purpose and defining their values. So on its face, this was a match made in heaven. And I think we both started to realize that pretty quickly. Um, and then what really sold me where the picture started to become more clear, I asked Steve, well, how do you teach business people emotional intelligence? Like what, what model do you use? And he said, I'm glad you asked. And he opened up a pamphlet that we give to our clients and slid it across the table to me and pointed at the model of cognitive behavioral psychology by Albert Ellis. And my jaw dropped. So the reason that I was so surprised and so moved by this, that was the model I learned day one of my treatment program when oh, I was wow. a patient. Yeah, recovering from uh, major depression and lots of anxiety. So this model saved my life. And now the company that I'm courting to hire me is telling me this is how we do business. Mm. And uh, that was when I knew and that was my sign. So six years later, uh, I'm, I'm now uh, responsible for our West Coast office and opening a new market for us. And it's been lots of fun. Wow, that's a fantastic story. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, I love that meeting your friend on the bus and, you know, having the synchronicity of this model of all the models is the model that they're using. I don't personally believe in coincidences. I have a belief that if you're kind of living your purpose and on your life path, things like that do show up for you. Do you have any thoughts about that? or is? Oh, you know? gosh, yeah. I, I, I laugh because I look back to that kid who was sure the world was coming down around him, and he sure didn't. And I'm still, like, in close touch with that guy. Like, we still have to talk every once in a while. <laughs> um, and that kid at 1920 um, did not believe in uh, or did believe in coincidences that there really wasn't some higher power being I'd kind of, I'd lost faith, frankly. Mm -hmm. And now, oh man, um, there are no coincidences. Life really manifests around you, uh, based on what's going on inside of you. Like the out outer world is a manifestation of the inner world. 
Mm-hmm. Very true. And it seems like sometimes when you let go of needing to control it, that's when those things start to come in. Yeah. And it's so scary too, right? I agree with you. And you let go and you're like crossing your fingers like, oh, I hope this works out. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, you know, it may be bumpy, but in the end you end up finding that it does. Yeah. You know what happened to me actually yesterday? I had to meet somebody for coffee. And so I, and I had been focused on doing a lot of business development work on my business. And, um, I also am finishing up a book, which is my passion project. And so I had to meet oh, somebody I can't wait for, to read it. Oh, yeah. I, well, I can't wait to share it. It's, it is uh, pretty much done. I'm in the end of the editing process. And um, it, it's something that's really calling to me. And so uh, I decided to take a break from business development and from the day-to-day um, stuff I would be doing and go to this coffee shop early and just work on my book which is, I guess it's a small thing, but it was like letting go of, of trying to control what I was doing in my business. And what was so funny, and I was just laughing to myself as it was unfolding, I'm sitting in this Starbucks, and um, there were three people there that I needed to talk to. And, you know, one of them is a client that We've been trying to sign a contract for a while, and he just happened to be there. And he's like, hey, you know, about that project, let's, let's talk about that. And this is a guy I couldn't get on the phone. You know, it was just funny that these people were there. Not, funny, funny, not funny, you know. It's, it was um, just interesting having that experience well, of letting go. I think somebody, maybe, uh, maybe it was Ram Dass, which has been one of the, the spiritual people that I've learned from over the years. Uh, I call it a cosmic wink. And it is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. It's like the universe giving you a nod that oh, I got your back. I mm-hmm. might not be going exactly how you thought it, but I'm I'm still here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it, and it's something that we need to remind ourselves of, especially like you mentioned that you still struggle sometimes with anxiety. And I think all of us, even those of us that do believe in the universe having our back and all of that, we at least in my experience, we all have moments where we're like, oh, God, really? Is this really going to work? And then that's when the anxiety and other things kick in. Like, how do you deal with it when that ugly monster from your past shows up for you? Yeah. You know, it's interesting how you asked it. I'm glad you did. I do still struggle with anxiety. And the way the way I deal with it has changed a bit because sometimes I do still have anxiety about the past. I mean, how your mind is shaped and formed when you're growing up really informs your response, your unconscious reaction to the world around you as an adult. And you can't help that. But one of the things that I have to do um, in those moments is recognize that I chose this. In the instances where I'm getting the most anxiety, it's typically around the choices I've made and the situations uh, that I've put myself in and the goals that I've set. So, uh, for example, uh, I moved to Los Angeles, California to open our West Coast market for our company a couple years ago. And there's been all kinds of anxiety about it. I, I had no referrals, introductions, or clients uh, when I moved out here. So really open, opening a market cold and on paper had no business doing that, <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. which tells you how much belief there is um, in me by my colleagues. And thank goodness 
uh, for them because they really instilled that in me. But point being, I get anxious on a lot of days because of what I'm trying to pursue. And I've come to believe that I'm, I'm probably going to be anxious about something like the way I'm wired. I'm going to find something to be anxious about. It may as well be related to what I'm going after and my goals and what I'm pursuing. And then, so that's at the front end, but also, uh, you know, I have a, a pretty deep meditation and mindfulness practice and do a lot of journaling. So you kind of start getting into that self-care mental health type stuff that it's, it's like exercising or going for a run. I mean, you're going to be real achy and clunky if, if you're not keeping up with it. And my opinion is the mind and emotions certainly work the same way. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I think that mindfulness, that reminder to ourselves to be present, to enjoy the journey is an important one. I was just listening this morning to an audio recording of, it was an Abraham Hicks recording, and mm. um, what Esther Hicks was talking about, or Abraham was talking about through her, was uh, really interesting to me. It just resonated today, and it was um, about enjoying the journey, even the perceived, you know, tough stuff as, as part of this um, experience of being human, you know, just kind of like accepting it, enjoying it, um, being in that moment. And the analogy that was used was um, how we as humans, you know, we want everything right away. We want that instant gratification. We want the, to reach our numbers in our business. We want the sales. We want everything right now. And, um, we focus so much on that so many times instead of enjoying the journey. And, and the analogy that was used was, um, you know, if, if you're planning a vacation, you're going to start at home, you're going to go on this, you know, fabulous vacation and have these experiences in whatever places you're traveling to, and then you're going to end up back home. So the way you humans, you know, you, you like, we, we, we plan our lives sometimes and we want this instant gratification. It's almost like, well, you know, I'm home, I'm going to go do this thing and I'm going to come back home, so why even bother going to do this thing? You know, it's, it's like, and that's ridiculous, right? Anybody that wants to plan a trip, you know, of course you want to go and have the experiences. And it's kind of like being here, you know, as humans, we're supposed to be having these experiences. And, and um, even when things are, you know, not... Um, we can't see that they're working out for our higher good. Sometimes it's like they always are. So just experiencing it, enjoying it. I think I'm not articulating this well, but does this make any sense to you? Oh, I love it. Yeah, it makes perfect <laughs> sense to me. I mean, the mind, the mind untethered just runs amok um, if you're not paying attention to it. And emotions tend to follow uh, where the mind is going and, the, one of the thoughts that crossed my mind as you're saying that, and I'm, I'm laughing to myself thinking about the vacations I've been on and not present for it, thinking about being mm. at home and like what I need to do when I come home. And it's the darndest thing that it sounds so simple to be present. Mm -hmm. And yet it's so difficult. And I think the reason is when you're actually present, you have stuff come up you wouldn't expect or don't want or wish you wouldn't or you shouldn't, you tell yourself you shouldn't have. 
Um, so the present moment is kind of difficult to be in anyway, all on its own. And then, you know, built in, just as you said, is all of our business goals and the things that we're going after and then add technology to that and what that's doing to us and the difficulty of just staying present, independent of reacting to something. It's hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard. And like you said earlier with your meditation, it's something that we all need to practice. It's, um, and, and there's constant improvement that can be made for sure as we focus on being present. Um, how, how does this, you know, you have these deep beliefs about purpose and um, um, higher power and, and, and all of this. How does that play into your discussions with business people? Do, do, you, do you meet with a lot of skepticism? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think I think you were just a skeptical bunch in general. Not always. Um, it, it's really cool um, when y you just find that match, you know, like think of a good friend you have where you just upon arrival feel like you've known each other your whole life. That happens in business, too. But the the way we execute business is often using a different part of our brain than the creative, intuitive, emotional, relational part of our brain, you know, between the left and right hemispheres. So I would expect skepticism to be a part of the initial conversation because that's the part of the brain we use at work to discern strategy and come up with um, how we execute and get results. However, what I think people find attractive is when they start to realize they can be one person. They don't, they don't have to be somebody at work and somebody at home by talking about values, by talking about purpose, by talking about your vision for the future and, and trying to incorporate those things into your work life, you start to realize there's no checking in or out anymore. I, I'm just Dan walking into a bunch of different roles that I have to step in through throughout the day. And I never stop being Dan if I'm paying attention to him and reminding myself of that purpose. And making decisions based on uh, the values that I have and very difficult decisions based on the values that I have. So the conversation starts there. And then I'd say for everybody that I've worked with, where that goes is uniquely different based on their individual psychology, their, in their family, their desires, uh, both in their family and in their work life. So then it kind of blossoms from that. And what do you see happening when people start aligning all of these roles um, within their oneself with this holistic approach? What um, feedback do you get from people? The feedback is typically, I, I feel better in my own skin. I feel more content. I feel more relaxed. Um, I had one former athlete client that said, you taught me to play loose like I used to be coached to play loose when I was on the field. And uh, that one really stuck with me because I, I can relate to what that feels like in, in my body. You know, you feel your emotions in your body. And if you're paying close attention and you're stressed and, and you're not really sure what's getting to you, you can feel that tension uh, throughout your body. And, and when you're more aligned and more integrated and you're aware of what's going on with you, you do play a little more relaxed and you do play a little more loose, you know, play being you know, you step into a work meeting that's really important and you feel calm and composed or you mm -hmm. have to have a difficult conversation um, with a colleague or a direct report. 
uh, or a, another business owner or a sales meeting and you feel like you've got yourself, you feel good. You might be a little nervous, but you, you feel grounded when you're there. Mm, that's a good word. It's a good place to put it. Good way to put it. Um, what do you have a, a way, what, what do you consider success? Do you have a definition of what success looks like or means to you? It, yeah, I think so. I'm still, I'm still figuring that out for myself personally. Uh-huh. So I guess the working definition is success is um, having enough for what it is that you need and some of what you want to and enough to give back and invest in the community. Um, so that's like the material side of success, but Deeper than that, success is really making meaning of your life and knowing that you have a purpose and recognizing that everything you've been through really ties together into something that you do today and choices that you make today. So mm-hmm. I, I, I heard a great comment um, from a, a fellow podcaster and, and radio host uh, this week that his deep need to connect with people, like his insecure, desperate need to connect with people is what made him successful on air in in his interviews Mm -hmm. because he was determined to connect with others. And that's just an example of what success can mean is you're, we've all got a little bit of light and a little bit of dark in us just inherently. And when we become adults, we get to choose what we do with both. And success would mean that we've decided how I'm going to incorporate um, the things that trip me up and the things that I'm really gifted at into just one whole life. Mm. That's great. And do you, so you come from perhaps a difficult or, um, I don't know if difficult is the right word, but let's, let's go with it from a difficult um, origin, your beginning, you, you didn't come into a life of privilege and um, curious how you would answer the question if everyone has access to the potential of success or a purpose, is there anyone that's excluded from having that if they want it, if they pursue it? I, I think there's like a conditional answer to this, but I'll start with yes. I think there is um, a bit of an exclusion the, the people that may find themselves excluded are the people who have never had anyone step in and say, mm. I believe in you. You're capable of more. So I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of people, and I've never met anyone who didn't feel stuck somewhere. Never. Mm-hmm. And uh, so some of my volunteer work is actually working with gang members. I don't think you and I have ever talked about that. Mm-mm. And the beauty of getting to see uh, what helped someone at an executive level get become successful and what helps someone who walked out of gang life become successful is that somebody went out of their way to say, I believe in you or demonstrate that I believe in you or gave them a chance at something where they could create a sense of self-efficacy. And I certainly had that, um, you know, wherever it was missed in some part of my life, there were people along the path that let me know I was capable of more than what I thought I was. 
You know, what I, how I want to respond to that is by saying I think you're absolutely right, but also by how, it, how interconnected we all are and how easy it is to offer that to someone else. You know, how, uh, how to, to just offer that you see beauty in someone else, you see potential in someone else. And how, I would just like to encourage our listeners to, if you think it, then voice it. You know, say it that, that you never know how you're going to affect someone. And um, it may be the thing that they need. Yeah, I would, I'm so glad you said that. And I want to affirm it and say it's one of the best parts of leadership. We all, you know, nobody's parents were perfect. So we all have a little bit of authority issues, right? And when you're in an authority dynamic, meaning if you're a leader uh, of a team or of a company, those, some of those authority dynamics exist just organically. And it's powerful when you're the authority figure and go to someone and say, I really think you can do this, or I, I really want you to pursue this, or I, I really believe in you. Like you said, I think you put it perfectly. You see the beauty in someone else and you tell them and it costs you nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's so important as a leader or even just as a human, you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be in the workplace. It's, um, it's just so important. And it's, I saw it, my dad was a teacher for many years in an inner city school and um, we would, I just remember growing up how many times, I, I can't count how many times we would run into former students of his that would um, come up to him and say, you know, gee, thank you. You, you, you said something to me sometime 10 years ago and it made a difference. Um, you, you know, it's, it, you just never know. You just never know when you're going to touch someone else and what they're going to remember. You know, it's, it's, um, like you said, it doesn't cost anything to do that. Yeah. You're so right too, that it, it shouldn't be restricted to work. Like I had coaches in sports come, go out of their way to spend some extra time with me. They, they could tell I was struggling, maybe a little troubled, um, or a lot troubled depending on what year it was. And th- those, those efforts to connect with me, um, were kind of like the, the bumpers down the bowling alley made sure mm-hmm. I didn't fall fall into the, I, I was not going to get a gutter ball because people kept showing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what do you think? So I agree, you know, you, you need somebody that people are, you may be unable to overcome certain things if they've never had anybody reaching out to them. But what about happiness? Is happiness a choice? Is happiness a choice we get to all make? I, I love that question because it's so thought-provoking. You know, what, what is happiness? Is happiness a choice? I think happiness is a choice uh, sometimes, but I think we accidentally get fixated on it. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe somewhat like you were talking about with the mind. Like the mind starts looking at happiness as the goal, and we freak out a little bit if we think we should be happy and we're not. But there's like good information there, right? So when, when I have to ask myself that, like what's happiness for Dan or what's happiness mean to me, it becomes more about meaning, kind of like the success thing. Like what, what is success is similar to what is happiness. I, I accept that happiness is just an emotion 
that comes up as much as grief or sadness or anger or frustration or anxiety. So happiness is just on that spectrum and landscape of emotion. So what I try to do is just really embrace happiness when I've got it, <laughs> when it comes up, it's mm-hmm. like, hooray, I've got some happy time like that. I want to <laughs> relish in that and bask in it. It's kind of like sunbathing, like just soak it in. Like, And then when it's not there, I try to accept that too. Uh-huh. And what I find is two, two things. When I, when I accept when happiness isn't there and I stay with it and I explore it, I find myself ultimately being happy that I was able to do that. I was happy to stick with the negative emotions and also I was able to learn something about myself. So our negative emotions are just such good data about what's going on with us below the surface. And it's fun, the, the darndest thing. It, it's, it's, if you're willing to spend time there, you end up finding a little more happiness for your ability to, to dig in and learn about you and get an education in yourself through all the different emotions that come up. So that's my complicated answer to happiness <laughs> that I'm still working on. I think that's a good answer. And I think it's a really good point to say that I, I liked how you put negative emotions are good data because, and I, I, I am curious about this because we're talking a little bit about emotional intelligence and ignoring negative emotions or um, suppressing them, you know, certainly just, I, I think just, creates more of that negative stuff, right? It's, it's kind of like you have to just get okay with experiencing them from time to time, I think. Yeah. Oh, certainly. My, that's been my experience and also what all of the psychological data suggests, that suppression is toxic. And if you think about the day we all have, so uh, when you think about time management, which is something that comes up constantly. We're all trying to better manage our time. Everybody gets 24 hours in a day. That's a container. That's a finite number of hours per day, if you think of it that way. Well, emotions can be a little similar when you're thinking of it in terms of suppression. We can only have so much emotional capacity to store what we're feeling before it's overflowing. And processing any emotions that come up or knowing how to effectively navigate all the emotions that come up, keep that overflow from ever happening. So for me, I I used to be pretty passive aggressive and this is why Uh, I wouldn't know how to deal with life's difficulties. And so I would just push down all my feelings. And then when I couldn't, there's no more room to push, then I would erupt and I'd be really angry or overly frustrated or just unnecessary conflict prone. And it was because of exactly that. So I think you hit the nail on the head. Hmm. That's interesting. I I, I listen to you talk all day long because you have so much wisdom (laughs) and so much to share. (laughs) And I feel like I'm going to need to ask you to come back on this podcast and, and do this again sometime but um, unfortunately, we're running out of time already. And I'm just so fast. I know, I know. But um, I guess before we go, how can we wrap this up? Is there, is there something else you can add or some gem you can leave us with here? 
what well, I hope your listeners enjoyed the depth we got into because I could talk to you all day as well. So if I'm welcome back, I'd certainly take you up on it. Um, the the real the real gem for me that saved my life and also gave me the purpose I needed to become successful at something was making meaning of my own suffering and the things that I've been through. And if I were to boil it down to a gem that's relevant to me, that's it. The meaning mm. and the, sum, the suffering. Very Viktor Frankl for any of, any of you out there who have read uh, Man's Search for Meaning. Um, that, that was where, that was the book that helped me put words to how I got on my path. That's great. I'm going to put um, the links to those two books you mentioned and to your website, um, with your company's website, and anything else you'd like me to share, I'll put that all on our website, um, Dan. It's, it's really been great talking with you. Well, that is so kind. Uh, it's been great talking with you, too. I look forward to doing this again. Yeah, that would be wonderful, and we definitely should set that up because um, I know there's there's just so much more to say. But um, thank you again, Dan. Thank you for listening to today's show. My guest was executive coach, speaker, and trainer Dan Stover. You can find this complete interview, links to Dan's website and social media pages on our website, readysecret.com. Thanks for joining us and check in again next Friday when we release another episode with tips on turning your daydream into a phenomenal success. Thanks for tuning in to Ready, Set, Grit, your life on purpose with Ellen Barton. Look us up online at readysetgrit.com where you'll find daily inspiration, links to our social media, and where you can access our eBooks and online classes. Ready, Set, Grit, inspired actions, real results.